Welcome once again, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. A special Friday edition of the College Podcast, you say? No, it's not. It's actually our regular podcast. Aaron and I are here to talk a little draft. Uh, Matt Blood's on the road. He would join me normally for the for the draft podcast, but Aaron Aaron knows the draft. He doesn't just care who wins and loses. He actually cares who the players are and the, if they're good in the major leagues too. It's it's a unique thing here, at Baseball America. We're more than one track minded here at, uh, at Baseball. We're multi-dimensional, America. John. That's a good way to put it. We are multi-dimensional. I'm, I'm even 3D. Uh, I'm amply 3D. I'm more 3D than I really need to be. So uh, join us for the podcast, won't you? Uh, it's uh, podcast at baseballamerica.com is the email address. We have our usual questions from William LeCates, alias Joe, but the email says William LeCates. We've got email from Drew, and we'll take that question. And uh, we'll also talk a little bit about, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we might delve into the major leagues. But let's start off right here with the draft, Aaron. And uh, the, the guys that we know best are the college players. You also are handling the Northeast. In a way, you're our Northeast cross-checker. I'm kind of our West cross-checker, so we could talk about those as well as we get into the podcast. But top of the draft is uh, the place, to, the easy place to talk about. It is amazing how the way the money has gotten in baseball's draft there. And you almost, it's really, you have to just be an unbelievably exceptional high school talent to go at the top of the draft. It tells you how much... People liked Justin Upton in 2005. Yeah. With all that college talent in that draft, that Justin Upton went 1-1 in that draft, you know, obviously we're seeing it now, but um, you almost exclusively hear about college players talked about right now uh, in that number one spot. Yeah, you're right, John. I mean, really, I think that uh, the one high school guy who I could see maybe sneaking up into that range is Kyle Skipworth. Um, and even that, I think, is probably unlikely. I think the Rays... It certainly seems at this point are leaning toward a college player, and why not? Because I right. think this is a very good college class. And if you want a catcher, uh, you know, then there's a pretty good one available in Buster Posey from Florida State. So, um, but but Skipworth is, I think, the one guy who maybe could factor in here. My gut says he probably goes a little bit later, maybe uh, toward the back of the top ten. But um, really, I think there's there's so many good college choices. Whether it's Posey, we've heard Gordon Beckham's name bandied around a little bit. Right. Obviously, Brian Mattis and Aaron Crow are still very much in the mix, and Pedro Alvarez as well. Absolutely. So I think uh, you know it's 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 not an easy year to pick number one because there is not a slam dunk like there was last year with David Price, like there was with Justin Upton a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, it's it's you know there's a lot of good choices which. You know, I guess can be a good thing, but it's also it makes your job a lot harder if you're R.J. Harrison and those guys. I think it is, and uh, all the word that we hear out of Ray's camp is that after having it maybe around seven or eight players uh, in their pool, that now the Rays have narrowed things down to about four to five players, and that uh, Pedro Alvarez is one of those players. That there's a high school player, there maybe are two high school players in that mix. You could have Tim Beckham, the Georgia high school middle infielder. Generally acknowledged the top high school prospect this year, although he's not even the top high school hitter. That would be Eric Hosmer out of American Heritage in Southeast Florida and South Florida, Miami, Greater Miami area, we'll call it. Uh, and you mentioned Kyle Skipworth, who is an elite Southern California hitter uh, and a catcher, and he's left-handed hitting. I mean, those are all very desirable things. That makes him a candidate for to go anywhere in the first dozen picks, really. Um, and then you're talking about... Uh, and there's no high school pitcher, really, who's in the mix to go number one. I think Garrett Cole and uh, uh, Tim Melville are very highly regarded, but there's some questions about Cole's delivery and whether or not he remains a starter. And there's some questions about, you know, he's represented by Scott Boris, as is Eric Hosmer. And you just look at the list of high school players, Aaron, who've gone 1-1, one, one, 
And it's a pretty interesting list. Let's, let's just go back to the last 20 years. So we're going post-Ken Griffey Jr. But Chipper Jones, that was obviously, you know, not – and he wasn't number one on most teams' draft boards. Uh, Todd Van Poppa was, another high school pitcher. But there's never been a high school right-hander to go 1-1. You got one of your rare high school lefties to go 1-1, if not the only one, and Brian Taylor, who, because of his injury, ends up being one of the bigger busts in draft history. Uh, one of two number one overall picks to not play in the major leagues. With Matt Bush getting ready to become the third. Right. Um, but you're talking about uh, a lot of college guys in there. Uh, between A-Rod in 93 and Josh Hamilton in 99, they had five straight, six straight uh, college number one overall picks. Then you had Josh Hamilton, Adrian Gonzalez, Joe Maurer. Three years in a row where you had a high school guy go uh, one overall. And then four and five years when you had Delman Young. Five and six years with Matt Bush. Six and seven years with Justin Upton. But now I I would be surprised, I think, if one of the high school guys went 1-1. Yeah, no matter what the Rays, um, you know, uh, organization, maybe their proclivities might be, it, it, there, there, there is a lot of Internet talk now, and it's, I think some of it's informed Internet talk about Buster Posey maybe going 1-1. We just saw Buster last weekend, Aaron, uh, with Florida State here in North Carolina. What do you think of Buster Posey? I mean, Buster Posey's had about as good a year as you can have. For me, I don't, he didn't look or play like a number one overall guy, but maybe that's just me. I'm, I'm not a scout. Maybe I, I shouldn't be thinking that way. Well, my, my impression was that uh, he was very impressive. And, and, you know, I remember that I think it was Friday night against Alex White. Uh, Who has got big-time velocity. Big-time velocity. And his first at-bat, White just blew him away on a high fastball. And, and, and Buster wasn't even close on catching up with this pitch, but... Uh, I like the way Buster adjusted later on in the game. He was able to wait and, and, and kind of get a couple of key sack flies on, on, on curveballs or sliders from White. Productive uh, at bats. Productive at bats. That's the key. I mean, he's such a mature hitter. You can see the power. He's got a good frame. He really has grown into the power this year a little bit, like I think people were, were looking for. Yep. Um, yeah, 13 home runs. He, he showed a cannon behind the plate. I mean, a couple of times this weekend, as he has all year, he's got a great arm. We know that. He's got a quick release. He, he's a good receiver, although... We still haven't really seen him catch velocity, but I, I'm right. not, I'm not particularly worried about that. Uh, but uh, you know, I guess that might be one question with him. I think he's going to be a very good defensive catcher. I think he's going to be a, a solid hitter in the big leagues. I, I think he's, I think he's a big leaguer, and I think he's, he, I think he's a, a, a fine candidate to go number one overall. It's just that if it were me, I think I might be tempted by a couple of those big arms. I think, and I agree with you. I think Buster Posey's maybe he's not the safest pick in this draft. That might be Brian Mattis. Because yeah, he's a three-pitch so. lefty. That guy got, can't miss, John. Right, he's not a soft tosser. The fourth-round pick out of high school. Uh, this guy's pretty good. Brian Mattis is pretty good. Um, and he seems to have nationally, I think earlier in the year, I was very much on the Aaron Crow bandwagon. Because I, I just me, I love pitchers who command the fastball. He has, His fastball has all the three things you're looking for. He repeats it. He commands it, and he throws the hell out of it. You know, he's, and, he, and, he, and he sustains his velocity as well. Right. But he seems to have backed up a little bit the last couple of weeks. I mean, it's not like he's backed up from, like, the second round or anything like that. He just may be in the head-to-head battle versus Brian Mattis. The momentum seems to be a little bit more in the Brian Mattis camp right now. That's, that seems to be the, cons- the consensus. But you know, talking about Buster Posey a little bit more, he's now tied for second in the country in OPS. He's tied Gordon Beckham, the Georgia shortstop. He's a better defender at a more premium position, catcher versus Beckham at shortstop. Um, he's at 470. And after seven home runs his first two years, he's got 13 this year. Um, you know, this guy really, uh, to me, I think he's a 
almost like a guaranteed five to ten year big league regular behind the plate. Yeah. And you know, it's a one nine pop time almost like every time. He uh, threw out Dustin Ackley on Friday, did he not? Yes, and he th- did. that sounded like that was done very easily. And you know, he has handled some velocity because Ryan Strauss has gone to that bullpen and started throwing low to mid ninety. So. Uh, I think that the fact that he's come to catching a little bit late is almost a good thing. He's got less, fewer bad habits to worry about. So Buster Posey really does seem to me, he's not a number one overall guy in a regular year. But I don't think it would be a, too much of a reach for him to be 1-1 to, uh, and for him to go 1-1 to the Rays. Pedro Alvarez came into the year, Aaron, as the number one guy, number one on most draft boards, immediately ran into a little problem with his uh, broken hammock first game of the year for Vanderbilt. Uh, hitting below 300 right now. He's hitting 299 with only three home runs. Obviously, you aren't drafting him off the stats. Uh, you are drafting Pedro Alvarez. If you're drafting him one or two or wherever he goes, if you're drafting him because you think he can play third base, you think he's going to be a legitimate middle-of-the-order big league hitter. Yeah. Do you think uh, – what, what, what do you – I mean, is he in the group of these elite – just going back to that 05 draft – how do you compare him maybe to a Ryan Braun or a Ryan Zimmerman or a Alex Gordon, three-third base when he came out of that draft and already making their big league impact? I think he's, he's most similar to Gordon out of those guys because he's got the he's got the power. I think it's very similar to Gordon. Might even have a tick more power than Gordon. Sounds like that's the consensus. He's, he's like Gordon. I think he's got a very good, mature offensive approach. Um, I, I, you know, It sounds like Gordon, perhaps coming out of college, was – uh, a little bit of a safer bet as a third baseman than, than Alvarez. That might be the biggest difference. But I think so. I think um, that's a good point. But I think it's but I think it's a it's a safer it's a, it's a closer comparison than, than Zimmerman or, or Braun, uh, because you know Zimmerman of course was was known very well for his defense. Right. Um, we always knew he would be a premium defensive third baseman. Pedro's just not in that class. Right. Pedro has a lot more power than Zimmerman as well. Um, I, I think you know I, I just think that the, you're buying the bat. I mean that's been the book on Pedro all along. I do think. Maybe I'm a little more convinced than a lot of other people that he will stick at third base because uh, he's he's pretty solid there, John. And I know that he's got kind of a thick lower half, and maybe there's some question about the range, but his instincts are so good, his arm is good, he's 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 very consistent there for the most part. Um, I, I do think he'll stick at third base. And work ethic wise, I man, I think this is a that's the key. This is an intelligent kid. This is a kid who really wants to be a pro ball player. Think about this: the Red Sox 2005 draft. How good the Red Sox 2005 draft was. Without him, because yeah. you had Clay Buckholz, Jacoby Ellsbury, Craig Hansen showing flashes of getting it back together. Did I mention Jed Lowry yet? No. Nope. Um, there's Jed Lowry. And then the 14th round unsigned Pedro Alvarez. What if they'd signed Pedro Alvarez in that draft, too? Mama would have been crazy. Uh, it would have been crazy. It would have been terrible for everyone else. I bet he'd be knocking on the door of the big leagues right now if he had, if he had signed in 2005. But probably might, there, there's some uh, I, there's a chance that Sean Casey would not be a Red Sox right now. Chance <laughs> that could be a Pedro Alvarez as a lefty bat at first base as we uh, go over uh, talk a little draft here on the Baseball America podcast. Let's take a couple emails, Aaron, and uh, one of them has to do with last year's draft from our buddy Joe Lucates in Eastern Maryland. Uh, he's saying time for some concern with Mike Mustakas. He looks a little lost at the plate, and if you you know. Uh, we're a year out, not even a year out, from when uh, my favorite Greek American, Mike Moustakis, was drafted uh, number two overall. You know, this time last year, and he was uh, just setting all kinds of records at Chatsworth, uh, all the high school uh, records in the state of California. And now this year, he's hitting 190, 16 for 84 in the Midwest League. Uh, only one home run. That's his only extra base hit. His first, uh, you know, Midwest League home run the other night on the 28th of April. 
um, a two-run shot at home. But now, you know, you're looking at a guy who's got seven walks, 11 strikeouts, um, you know, 479 OPS, not very exciting. I'm not worried, though, at all, man. No. I haven't talked to a scout about him, but I, I can't imagine that Mike Moustakas, uh, just because he's not tearing it up from day one, he's not Matt Bush, let's put it that way. He's a, he's a big-time tools guy, John. He's not a, a guy that maybe you looked at, at least not a guy that I looked at when he was drafted, is, is a guy who's going to move real fast. Right. Uh, he's a guy that would take some development, but it's, it's you're, you're, with him, you're, you're banking on the tools, and, and the tools are there. They haven't gone away. Absolutely. He's going to be just fine. Yeah, this is a guy who's playing. The speed of the game has got to be a lot bigger, and he's also trying to play shortstop. And most people tell us this guy's not a shortstop. Right. So that's I think that's a factor here. For me, I still think with Alex Gordon in that organization, not because I don't think Mike Moustakas can stay in the infield. I think he winds up a right fielder, and I think he winds up like a Larry Walker type of right fielder, if not uh, – yeah, I'm, I'm not sure of another uh, recent comp they even make. I mean, like, like a Jeff Jenkins times two, you know – a big slugging. I could even see Mike Moustakas settling in as a 260 hitter. Maybe he's not going to win you any batting titles, but he might be a 30 to 40 home run guy. This is a legitimately really strong lost power guy. Now, if he stays in the infield, maybe he becomes a you know, best case scenario. Maybe he's Jeff Kent. They put him at second base. Um, I don't think he's. Waste his arm there, though. It is. It is. Uh, maybe make him a second base closer. I don't you know. <laughs> but uh, I talked to a couple scouts last year. The power was higher than the. The power tool was rated higher than the hit tool for most people with Moustakas. The flip side was Vitters, who was supposed to be the guy who had the hit tool and the power tool. Mm. Now, that guy I actually am a little worried about because Josh Vitters just isn't making consistent contact as a pro yet. And I haven't heard a scout or a coach in the Arizona League say anything good yet about Josh Vitters. Um, He's only played four games this year and... Three hits in his first game and nothing since then, and now he's on the shelf with a hand injury. So I am actually a little bit worried about Josh Vitters. Uh, but not Mike Moustakas, not yet. It's the Baseball America podcast. He's Aaron. I'm John. We talked to Aaron a little bit about our, our regions of the country, and every time you do this, you end up with a favorite player or two, a guy you watch and be a little bit more excited about than you really have any rational reason for being excited about. Say for me, Chad Nading a couple years ago coming out of Alaska. Love Chad Nading. There's a new guy in Alaska this year. And Chris Aude, I believe, A-U-D-E, who signed with Cochise Arizona Junior College, turning down some opportunities to walk on or recruit a walk on or get a little scholarship at some Division One schools. He went for the full ride in junior college. He said, you know, one of the quotes in the paper that I saw, he said, you know, I'm pretty sure the weather in Arizona is going to be a little bit better than it is in Idaho. Right. Because <laughs> I believe Lewis Clark State was one of the schools that offered him. But uh, I think that's a given. But uh, who's your guy that the Northeast, not nearly as fertile as where I'm doing out in the West? Who are some guys that you – who are some of your picks to click, I guess, in the Northeast? Granted, these are not first-round guys, just guys that have a nice profile that you kind of like. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's been one of those years in the Northeast that – Northeast is never going to be as strong, obviously, as, as the West or Texas or Florida. Uh, never. It's just never going to be that way. Right. But th- this year is down even by the Northeast standards. It's really – there's not a lot up there – uh, for me, I mean, the guys that, that I get a little bit excited about are Scott Barnes and St. John. There you the go. first one that comes to mind. Uh, a left-hander who really hasn't shown um, dynamite stuff this year, but he's, you know, and he's had some mechanical issues, but he uh, he, he really has, uh, he still competes, and he's, you know, he's just got such great makeup. I think that that's, uh, and it is a quick arm too, John, and, and so I think Scott Barnes is, is a guy that maybe won't, he won't be drafted in the first round, and he might not be drafted in the second round, but... 
I think that he's gonna he's gonna make somebody look pretty good. I think he's gonna be a value pick. I, I, I love that pick. That's a great pick. Um, you know, there's so the West is so vast. I think my new favorite guy is uh, Chris Fife at Utah. Big physical lefty who's out of Idaho as a high school guy and really has developed into a, a real power arm uh, for the University of Utah. And one scout I talked to, seen him up to 95 and seen him sitting in the low 90s. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what the college pitcher out of Utah does versus the high school pitcher. The recent crop of high school pitchers has not been quite as good. Uh, or the, you've had Tanner Robles and you've had some guys who've come out of there touted but who haven't gotten it done in pro ball. Tanner now getting it done at Oregon State. And then, of course, I do have a little soft spot for Eric Davis at Stanford. Uh, can't deny that. Uh, David Cooper's a higher-profile guy. A guy like David Cooper's lefty bat. Um, and then a high-profile guy that I talked to earlier in the year, Ike Davis, for a feature, uh, where the scouts I talked to preseason say, you know, I don't like he doesn't incorporate his lower half. The power hasn't really shown itself yet, but you know, now it has. He's really uh, had a fantastic year. And uh, to segue to Monday's podcast that we'll do, for my money, Ike Davis is your Pac-10 player of the year right now. Yeah, I take him over, David Cooper. I think he is too, John, and, and it's part of it is because of his value is you know tied to uh, what he's what he's done to the for their bullpen as well after they've had some some injuries and, and other issues. So yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely. Well, we'll wrap the podcast with this. Drew Hemphill at East Carolina emailed just to say he looks forward to the podcast every week. Huge baseball fan. Feel the same way at this time of year as you guys do. I hope that we get to talk about East Carolina again. They earn their way up getting back into the podcast. Well, thank you very much for the great podcast, signed Drew. So, Drew Hemphill, thanks for the uh, kudos. We appreciate it. Aaron, thank you for the time. We'll have more draft podcasts as we get closer to the draft here on BaseballAmerica.com. Until Monday when Aaron and I will rejoin you with a testier version of the podcast after our College Top 25 meeting. For Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. So long, everybody.